Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On board this aircraft, there are six emergency exits. Hello, everybody. This is Ron, your captain speaking. We are currently 30,000 feet in the air, and we haven't even left the airport. We just lit the joint. <laughs> just getting a little, little pilot humor there. We like to have fun. Our destination today is Casablanca, Morocco. So everyone, sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and prepare for takeoff. We will be arriving in six hours. Seven footers crew, what is going on? Gerard and Jenna here in the nitty gritty of the playoffs. I mean, right now. The Nets are not in the playoffs, Gerard. <laughs> Didn't think you'd be saying that one. Mm-hmm. Tough pill to swallow. Me and my boyfriend mm. sat here on the goddamn living room couch and wore matching goddamn t-shirts because he's so superstitious. I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. And Still it, didn't help. To, to no avail. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. I mean, sweat, sweat was dripping. Minor heart attacks were had. It, it was problematic, to say the least. I don't mean to say that because I'm a Nets fan. I just mean there was a Nets fan in my in my vicinity here. But it didn't end well for those in Brooklyn because, as you guys can see at, in the bottom of your screen there, Nets postmortem. That is right. Their season is over. A first-round playoff elimination for the first time in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's careers, both NBA champions. And then to be out like this when the odds, if you're a better hey, check out our show, Um, just we're shuffling at that point, Gerard. I mean, what were your initial thoughts? Were you genuinely shocked? No. I mean, look, this this team, Jenna, you know, I got to keep it 100, man. Like, listen, you know I'm a KD guy, KD all the way, um, but this team is not very good. Like, and we've been saying this the whole time, right? Now, I thought that the Nets would be able to find a way to win some games. And, you know, we'll get into this, but despite being swept 4-0, the games were very close. I mean, the Nets could have won all four of those games. They either had the lead or were tied late in the fourth quarter in every single game. So, I mean, you know, but their issue was they could not close down the stretch. And that's an odd thing to say when you have a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on it. But, That's only for you people who, you know, you only listen to those silly ass take shows and debate shows. You don't pay attention to larger macro pictures and issues. and You don't realize the difference between regular season basketball and postseason basketball. It's it's a damn shame, but you are right. That's a great point. I mean, it was just wild to watch because it's like it was almost cringeworthy to watch. And I don't want people to take the word cringeworthy as insulting, but it was hard to see KD not look like himself. I don't know what is wrong. I don't know what what it was. Um, and hey, everybody's entitled to, you know, a bad stretch maybe, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's KD. It's it's yep. one of these people that you just don't associate with the regular player. So, And what do you think was wrong? Like, tell me what was going through your head, because this was not the KD we're used to seeing. The turnovers were atrocious. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't making, he couldn't buy a shot. And again, I'm not making fun of him. I'm like, this is 
was mind-boggling to me. Right. So, I mean, the, the KD that everyone's used to seeing is the KD they saw last season in the postseason versus the, the Milwaukee Bucks, carrying the Nets, dragging the Nets to seven games when Harden and Kyrie were out. The KD we saw all season, largely, that was an MVP-level player. Well, KD is 33 years old, coming off of an Achilles surgery, and this season he had, he suffered an MCL sprain. Yeah. Add all that together, plus the last uh, 15 to 18 games of the season, whatever it was that, that KD played, he played 40, he averaged 40 plus minutes a night. He had to play heavy minutes just to get them into the play-in because they had that horrendous losing streak once he, once he got hurt uh, in mid-January, right? They lost mm-hmm. 15 to 21. Because remember, this team was 39 and 15 with Durant in, in, in the lineup, right? They were in first place in the Eastern Conference on December 27th, right? He goes down mid-January, it's all over. So you add all that together, Jenna, and no matter what KD says after the game, because he's not an excuse, guys. He's like, no, my body felt yeah. fine. It wasn't the Olympics, whatever. He's not going to come out and tell you he was exhausted because he was. You played Olympic ball last year, which if you remember, Jenna, I said a million times, not a good idea. Yeah. but. That man is obsessed with basketball and loves to hoop, and that's all he wants to do. Okay, fine, but you need a rest. Got no rest. Before the MCL injury this year, Jenna, he was already averaging the most minutes of his career uh, since he won the MVP in 2014. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, this is a 33-year-old player coming off of an Achilles injury. Shocking, he gets an MCL spring. Now, the MCL spring wasn't uh, a result of him being tired. Someone knocked Bruce Brown into his leg and is a freak thing. Mm-hmm. But, but... This is not surprising for someone, again, who's logging those heavy minutes. Okay, you add all that together, and now you get to a playoff series against a Boston Celtics team whose sole mission was this team got nobody else besides this dude, including Kyrie Irving, because you saw Kyrie Irving went off in game one, and the Celtics still won at the, on, that buzzer, on that buzzer layup by Tatum. They said, we are going to sell out to stop Durant, and we dare Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, and Goran Dragic to beat us. And, well, (laughs) they couldn't, right? And when you watch the game, the Nets' inability to get stops on defense, which has been a Mm -hmm. problem all season, reared its ugly head in the playoffs. Jason Brown, the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", you know, tall, lengthy dudes. In that, in that series, Jenna, it looks like they were shooting over cones. Like there was nobody in front of them. Because, listen, as much as, and this is not a knock on Seth Curry and Patty Mills and those guys and Goron. They're competitors and they fight. But it's like I tell you all the time, you can fight all you want. You can't grow seven inches. Like, you are what you are, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the nature of, of the beast. You cannot get taller by trying. Like, it just is what it is. And when they can repeatedly over and over and over go to exploit those matchups, then it's not like it was like killing Steve Nash. Well, what other options could he go to? It was like, oh, Blake, you saw Blake Griffin at the ends of game, the limited minutes in game three and four. He was huffing and puffing. And you mm-hmm. wanted to give him, what, 25 minutes a game? That wasn't going to work. <laughs> like, he didn't have the stamina to do that. Watching Blake... And, and Blake was the way, hero. Blake That's it. played He's excellent the in the minute. He did everything he feasibly could. He just he cannot did. give that kind of effort for 35 plus minutes. He just, his body can't do it. 
And, you know, that is the – and this is a whole topic we'll get into, but that's the effort that Blake gave. He came out there and was there for the team. That's the effort that Ben needed to do, at least by sitting on the bench. You know, the, the, the Ben Simmons that's of it, it all, Jenna. Like That's all. The you Nets, couldn't sit on the bench? The Nets botched this and Simmons botched this from the beginning. To me, once it was found out he had to get the epidural in his back, both sides should have come out right there and said, no chance he's playing this season. Done. Put it to bed. Over. And then, and guess what? Nobody's asking questions about it, right? All you say is he suffered a setback because we had to get the epidural. It's not going to be enough time for him to ramp up and get himself ready to play. That's it. Then you close the, to- the topic completely. Done. And it's over. But what happens? Oh, Ben's on the floor. Rumor. Oh, well, he might be ready. He's, he's, he's practicing. He's doing mm-hmm. one-on-zero. Nope, now he's doing one-on-one. Now it's two-on-two. And it just keeps fueling the nonsense around this. Now, whether or not people believe the back injury is real, people believe it is mental health issues, it, it doesn't matter what people believe. The reality of it is this. This is what the average fan and the hot take you know, artists that do those morning shows see. They see a player with three years and $114 million remaining on his contract who hasn't played a basketball game since last summer. And they're like, well, what the hell is going on, right? And this is perfect because this feeds into fans' arcane beliefs about what a player should and shouldn't do. Again, this is this is all part of the take economy and how all these morning shows fill their time with all this stupid nonsense. Look, he is under contract, and the Nets need to figure out going forward, okay, if this guy's part of the deal, this is what we're doing, and we are going to give you all the necessary resources to make sure you are fit and ready to play both physically and mentally. And both sides, according to Woj, have said that's where they're at. So we'll see what happens this summer, what, what, what kind of reports come out, and where we are come training camp. But that's the Ben Simmons of it. And, you know, again, ultimately, Jenna, this series, you know, it seemed like, I mean, Boston's a team, right? Of course, you know about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, of course. And Jason Tatum was outstanding this series. Ugh. Al Horford, Grant Williams. Al Horford showed up. So here, here, here's the interesting thing, right? Here, this series, by the way, the final margin of victory, so the total margin of victory for all four games combined was 18 points. Yeah, tight okay? games. Which, again, means the Nets could have won any or all of those games. Here's mm-hmm. the difference that I saw, Jenna. It seemed to me Al Horford never missed a three-pointer. I, I mean, I know he did, but it seemed like he made every single one he took. Right. Grant Williams, same thing. It seemed like he made every single three-pointer he took. The Celtics role players did their jobs. Yeah. Conversely, Nick Claxton missed 20 <laughs> free throws, right? I mean, it's just... It, 10 free so, throws. The last it, game it, in it, itself. In game four alone. And so when you're talking about a margin of victory, Jenna, that is eight, 17 points combined, well, there yeah. you have it. You guys couldn't convert and execute here. This team did. So as much as it was a sweep, it was a sweep because at the margins, you couldn't do what you were doing. And that was coupled with the fact that Katie and Kyrie played poorly. And you yeah. still could have won those games. That's when we t- talk about the playoffs and how close the margins are. Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about. Two, I mean, think about this too, though. It's crazy how things happen. Listen, I'm not discrediting the Celtics. They no, have had the greatest defense I've seen maybe ever that in my time. Not, you know, I ever, ever. But, I mean, 
Ime Yudoka, all credit to him mm-hmm. for coaching them up like that. And, you know, their stars, their role players. But, like, when do you ever hit a uncharacteristically bad series by Katie and Kyrie? And then, again, you have these role players making all types of mistakes and then all the turnovers, you know? There's a certain part of, like, luck and situations and just mm-hmm. weird things that go into it. And, again, all credit to the Celtics. They did it. But, like, I'm just trying to back up your point of that the margins are super thin. It's crazy. I mean, they really could have won it. S- silly mistakes, for sure. I, I mean, Jenna, they couldn't inbound the ball. Like, I mean, you learn how to inbound the basketball, like, when you first start playing when you're three years old. Like, what? I mean, yeah. it was it was mind-boggling. But this was the nuts the nets problem all season but when durant is playing like an mvp it masks all those problems well when he's not playing like an mvp oh man this team's not this team has been not good like we know this they've had these problems don't go away but superstars when they play well cover up a lot of your warts and so now jenna nets fans are you know Everybody's wondering, oh, my God, it's year three, and we haven't even gotten to the conference finals, and blah, 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 and this and that, and where do we go? Listen. KD didn't even play his first season with the Nets. Yeah, it's correct. He, I mean, he was still recovering the Achilles. So that didn't count. So year right. three was last year. They got to the comp- – Harden got hurt, and Kyrie got hurt in the Bucs series. They don't get hurt. I mean, they were up 2-0. They likely win that series, right? Yeah. The only team to push the Bucs to seven games that whole postseason. So – you would like you would likely think they at least get to the NBA Finals last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, they come back. They figure, all right, we're back this year. Everybody's here, but it doesn't start off well. And this is where the problems lie, Jenna. In the NBA, you know this: superstars like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, etc. Teams give them leeway and mm-hmm. and and permission to sort of have heavy input into decisions made on building a roster and doing what is necessary to compete. Well, and they do that because in order to win in this league, you need players of that caliber. That's been proven over time. Yeah, and you want your star to be happy, you know, the whole nine. All the things. But here is the problem with that. Just because you're an elite player does not mean you know what it takes to build a team and what is necessary to win. Now, you would think players like LeBron James and Kevin Durant would know because they won championships before. Okay, so the year starts out. Kyrie Irving is like, I'm not getting the vaccine. Well, okay, this is now a problem because again, the way the roster is constructed, it was top heavy, right? Three guys with maximum salaries. In a salary cap league, when you have three players on max salaries, that means you don't have a lot of money left to fill out spots 12 through 15. So what do you do with spots 12 through through 15? You get rookies, mm-hmm. old guys on minimums, right? Because, hey, you figure we're going top heavy. Well, the problem with that is, is that if one or two of those stars go away, well, you're fucked, right? Because now you have one star player playing with Old guys on veteran minimums and young players who aren't at the level of playing that you need if your goal is to win a championship. And that is exactly what happened to this team. Remember, when Durant and Kyrie got there in the summer of 2019, Mm -hmm. this team had Joe Harris, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, right? Mm -hmm. Torian Prince, right? Good young young players, good role. If you give them time to mix and gel, 
and put in an actual offensive system, you could figure it out. Oh no, we can get James Harden. So you literally trade away everything to get James Harden. And they were all there through the shitty rebuilding years. I just want everybody to know that. They were there. They were the bricks on the bottom of the foundation and they just tossed them. And Nets fans know that. Jenna. That's right. Um, do you think that the Nets this postseason would be better off if they had Jared Allen and Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert? And I don't know. I mean, yeah, because they are players that understand much better than the ones that I saw in this series. I mean, and not to mention they would make shots when Katie and Kyrie were going through whatever slump they had. I mean, at a minimum, you'd have size. On the yeah on, on the wing, you wouldn't be trotting out a bunch. There were times, Jenna, where Nash had to put out on the floor at the same time. Kyrie Irving, Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, and Goran Dragic. On a good day, one of them is maybe six foot two. On a good day. Yeah. Well, again, they're playing the, that small ball. When the Celtics put out six seven Jalen Brown, six nine Jason Tatum, six ten Al Horford, six ten Robert Williams. And your only person who can match that is Kevin Durant. Well, I mean, it, listen, you don't got to be a rocket scientist, scientist to figure out. And the Celtics got advantages everywhere because their offense was it's like the Celtics were even running offense, Jenna. They just they would throw a shot up and go get a rebound because the Nets can't rebound. They're too small. They weren't playing defense anyway. It didn't matter. They were literally not moving. It was it, they were just like okay. it is. It is. It is wild. Wild. So. This is where you're at with this team, right? So I'm going back to all the problems they've had. Following the game last night, I'm going to read to you that quote from one Kyrie Irving. And I mean, Jenna, it's almost like you, you, you had you, it's almost like I don't even believe this shit, right? I I actually was confused. Okay. I was like, wait a minute, is he gonna say something else? Nope. Okay. He was asked, does he plan to re-sign with the Nets? When I say I'm here with Kev, Kev being Kevin Durant, I think that really entails us managing this franchise together alongside Joe and Sean. I'm sorry, what? Where's your desk in the front office? I wait, I'm very confused. I'm sorry. Again, when I say I'm here with Kev, I think that really entails us managing this franchise. So us being me and Kev managing this franchise together alongside Joe and Sean. Joe Sy being the owner, owner, Sean Marks being the GM. Notice Steve Nash's name was not mentioned. Conversation for a different day. I'm sorry, Kyrie Irving. Well, he didn't need a coach, remember? Well, I mean, he did. When we go back to the start of the season, I don't feel like we need a coach. I could be a head coach. Katie could be a head coach. Okay, cool. I'm sorry. You who played 20 games this season? 29. I'm sorry, 29? Played part-time? You want to now decide the direction of the franchise, what should be going where and who should be doing what. This is lunacy. And the fact that the Nets have to deal with this, that being Josiah and Sean Marks, this is about Kevin Durant. And I'm going to now read to you, Vinny Goodwill of Yahoo Sports, a fantastic reporter. He spoke with Durant after the loss yesterday and was asking various questions. And he talked, he started asking about this whole perception about star players, you know, getting to do what they want and, and, you know, and all that. And here's what he said about, about, about all that. I feel that's a narrative that media created. I don't even think LeBron does that. He might've input or know some information, but I'm, but him saying point and left, this is who you should get. That's who you should get. I don't think it works like that. 
I've been around Steph. He doesn't work like that. Let people do their jobs. It's not on me to overstep what they do. I'm just here to support. If they need me to text or call somebody, that may come, of course. I'm not. This is the list of guys. Sean will hit me like, Goran's interested. What do you think? I contacted him. That's always who I've been since I got here. I never had control. I don't want it. I don't want to know because I'm a franchise player. It's because it's just the fact that I want to know who my teammates are. It's disrespectful for me to come and try to override what they do because of my status in the league. That's not fair to them. Everybody has a career. I just want to know. Okay. Let's just assume, Jenna, that that is all well and good and true. That Durant, in fact, I just need to know who you're thinking of. I'll give you my input and I'll reach out and do what I have to do. Okay, cool. I'm going to take him at his word on, on face value and say he's not pulling the strings. Here's the reality of it, though. Regardless of whether he wants to pull the strings or not, he has that power to do that. And he knows the Nets operate in a way as to not make him upset. And the way they're not going to make him upset is by doing anything to jeopardize Kyrie Irving. That Kyrie Irving and that relationship between Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, that is that dude's ride or die, his best friend in the league. I mean, it is like we're talking about bosom buddies, okay? Like BFFs forever, and it's all good. Meanwhile, Kyrie is an unreliable teammate and an unreliable employee. He's proven mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. If, as I said to you, Jenna, if it wasn't the vaccine, it would have been something else. I mean, what was it last year? The insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th, or the, the, the riots at the Capitol. He yeah. took two weeks off after that. He, he needed time to reset. I mean, who, who, and look, and I, I want to be very clear about something. I'm not saying that those events that happen in the real world can't affect you. That is not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is, is that you are a professional who has signed a contract to play a requisite number of games with a team. You are not honoring and living up to your end of the bargain. Kevin Durant busts his ass coming back from injury. He's Whenever he's available, he's playing. Mm-hmm. Your BFF is not showing the same level of commitment to want to play. So at what point are you like, yo, man, uh, this ain't really how I see this working out. And for the Nets fans, I'm going to give you guys this piece. Same from that same Vinny Goodwill article uh, from Kevin Durant. I'm maxing out my years by how I get up and approach my craft. It ain't always about the results of the game. I do this because I genuinely enjoy getting up and enjoy going to work. It's simple for me. Winning championships and averaging a certain amount of points, all-star games, don't get me wrong. I want all that. But if I don't get it, I'm still excited I get to be in the NBA. And I want to be very clear about something because as everyone knows, I'm team, I'm, I'm team KD, KD guy. I've been listening to this man talk and watching his games since he was 17 years old. So I consider myself well-versed in KD speak. This isn't, sure. this isn't to say when he says that, that he's not competitive. You don't make it to where he is and achieved what he's achieved without being competitive. He clearly is extremely competitive. But Kevin Durant sees basketball very different than I would say almost any player that's ever played in this league. He sees this as an art form and some kind of higher level. And it's all about him perfecting the craft and the art of basketball. Now he's won an MVP before. And people have said to him, KD, would you want to win another MVP? He said this quote, I've already done that before. Okay. You certainly, in that that last quote, he, he already won two championships. What did he say after he won the first championship in Golden State? After I won that title, I thought it would fulfill me. It didn't. Well, 
He's, he's won two of them and two finals MVPs. This is how KD's mind, I believe, operates. Well, I won an MVP before. I've won two titles, two finals MVPs. And no matter what, that hasn't changed how I feel about myself. And it certainly doesn't change how you all feel about me. So whether I win more or not, it's not going to change anything in terms of my plays and in terms of how I feel about myself as a player. So again, it's not saying I don't want to win. It's saying that what's it going to change? Yeah, I think he just, I think he's just literally, and this is again, all my opinion, but just based off of, you know, the tea leaves and whatever we're reading online or whatever he says, because he's real. We Mm -hmm. have to give that to him. He is Mm -hmm. real. If something is, is out there, he will correct it and let you know what's up. But I just think he's over the bullshit, you know? Um, Jenna, he, as he said, yes, of course you want to win championships and more all NBAs. But again, his point is, what is that going to prove? He's at a stage where he's like, I am mastering the craft of basketball. I know how good I am. No matter what I do, it ain't going to be good enough for you people. So what difference does it make? I'll still keep playing hard and keep trying to win. And if we win a title, great. But it still won't change anything. And if you are a Nets fan, that is a problem for you. Because if it was about primarily I'm doing whatever it takes to win a championship, because that is the most important goal, he would go to Sean Marks and say, get this dude out of here. This dude being Kyrie Irving, because he knows that dude is not reliable. He's just not. The the, the stats are out there, Jenna. In his 11-year career, Kyrie Irving has played 65 games or more four times. Four times in his career. The majority of the time. Whether it's it's injury or PTO (laughs) or whatever the hell he needs. PTO. Right? This dude is not reliable. He now thinks he is the GM of this team, right? He, he said him, Kevin, Sean, and Joe are managing this team. It's like- If I was Nash, I would feel so left out. I mean, look, Nash knew what the deal was signing on to come over here. He, he, he knew what it was. And I know, look, but I feel like those two don't- There's just something that's telling me that those two don't have a great relationship because you heard KD after game Mm -hmm. four. Mm -hmm. He, you know, was praising Nash. He, you know, said he was greatest and that, whatever. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But yeah, I don't know. I I could be reading into it. I could be speculating, which I am. Kyrie is mercurial. We know this, okay? Your vocabulary. (laughs) Impeccable again. He, He marches to the beat of his own drum and he wants to do his own thing on his terms when he wants to do it. And by the way, that's cool. When you are a high performing employee, you get privileges to do that. The problem is, is that when your endeavor is a team thing, it causes problems for your teammates and everyone else, because you are not bought into this mission that we have of all rowing in the same direction and getting to our ascended goal, right? Mm-hmm. Look, this was a man who was like willing to sit out all season for not taking a vaccine because what does he need the money for? He's got plenty of it, right? It, it basketball. If you're a hooper, you're not sitting out. Basketball is not important to him the way it is to Kevin Durant. Now, yeah, what Durant loves about Kyrie is he's such a skilled player. Because again, Durant sees the game as an art form, and he sees Kyrie as this amazing artist, which of course he is, super skilled, a amazing artist. But let me ask you a question: Would you trade all that 
you know, super skill and amazing artist for 65% of that player. So someone who was 60, who's only 65% of that, but who was there a hundred percent of the time and who tried and busted their ass every time. I bet you would. I bet yeah. you would. I and bet net I bet, I bet net fans would. That's a recipe for for locker room tension. Like I I tell you this all the time. It had to have been inevitable in that locker room that somebody had to have been like, what the hell is going on? Yes, I understand he's one of the greatest point guard ball handlers you want it call it but like when it comes down to like ethics and things of like showing up that's a big deal to teammates and people around the league we're all here we're all here working why why do you get to any do whatever you want to do yeah so so the reality is net fans you're stuck with this this is what it's going to be unless kevin durant decides you know what because this guy does not want to show up and i can't count on him and he tells Sean, hey, sign and trade him. Because, again, I see NetFans being like, well, don't just just get rid of him. Don't sign. And I'm like, no, you can't. Because it isn't like you don't sign him and you can just sign someone else into that salary cap. That's not how this works. You have to replace. It's a, it's a trade for the salary. So you sign him to an extension and then you move him immediately. Now, here's the, here's the challenge with that. One, Durant's never going to go for it. That's the first thing. Secondly, what team, after what they've witnessed from this man for 11 seasons, is going to say, yeah. I'll give up assets in terms of draft picks and draft capital and young talent to take on that headache. Now, as always in any transaction, it only takes one idiot, right? It only takes one. And there are some dumb teams in this league for sure. But anyone who's watching that dumpster fire has got to be like, oh, hell no. Absolutely not. So, yo, net fans, this is what you're stuck with, man. This is the reality of it. And it is a shame because, you know, two years of, MVP level Kevin Durant last season and this season going to waste. And we don't know how many more years of this you got left. And it really will be a shame in that this team is not going to reach its desired promise land it, the way it's currently constructed. Yeah. Katie's uh, 34 in September. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they say too that you can't work with your friends, right? Sometimes you just can't work with people. You can't live with people. You can't work with them. Either one. And I mean, Kyrie must be one hell of a friend because uh, in that same piece that you mm-hmm. read his quotes from, he said um, about having Kyrie as his teammate moving forward. He said, of course, I'd love to, for him to play more. Life is way more important to me than that. I can't be pissed off. I can't end the friendship based on something like that. Our friendship is based off who we are as human beings. The basketball adds to it. If we don't get along on the basketball court, we can easily talk it out as friends. I get that. I think that's a great quote. However... I just don't I, – I don't see how that translates to successful basketball. It doesn't. Now, remember, if those two came That's to all. Brooklyn, Jenna, and said, we just want to play together and see what happens, then fine. Yeah. That's, not what, that's not what they no said. No expectations. It's right? Fine. That's not what they said. They said they came here to build something special in Brooklyn. Well, when you say build something special, that people assume you mean champ, compete for championships. And they never shied away from that, right? Well, my my friends, that that you have going on there is not the nucleus for a championship culture, let alone whatever's going on with Ben Simmons added into the mix. Mm-hmm. And again, people are going to bring it up, and I, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't. Right. I, under, I understand the reasons why Kevin left Golden State. However, you have to look at this if you're Kevin Durant and be like, Jesus Christ, 
Like, I know the reasons why I left Golden State. And they're legitimate reasons. And that's all good. But where am I ever going to find a person like Stephen Curry who gives a shit as much as I do and will do whatever it takes for us to win basketball games? I mean, right? And and listen, man, you, 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 you don't. And so that's why people say, well, winning is not the most important thing, which he did allude to. He said that, right? He said, if winning comes and all that, yeah, I want it, but it's not the most important thing. Well, hey, you are entitled to feel that way, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. It is what it is, but that's the reality. So, yeah, net fans, not looking too good for y'all. Damn. Oh, this is going to be – can't wait for the documentary. It's going to be so good. Um, <laughs> you know how it goes. But – Let's talk about some teams that are actually still in the playoffs, like mm-hmm. the Celtics, mm-hmm. who swept the Nets. Mm-hmm. Because this, we might be looking at. Am I am I crazy to think or even conjure up the idea that we are looking at the early stages of a dynasty team? Jenna, they have the pieces. Look, you know what I always say: if you have two All NBA wing players under the age of 25 i mean that is a recipe for success now remember this is a team that when jason Tatum was a rookie went to the conference finals okay like they they've got experience they've got warts and they've right they've gone through the fire we always talk about this teams that have that collective they've gone through some shit together right hard times going to the finals losing disappointment heartbreak having terrible seasons and performing below expectations all that the core of Tatum, Brown, and Smart have all experienced that together. Mm-hmm. You add in Al Horford, who was also there and then came back, right? And they got Robert Williams, a time lord. It's just Grant Williams playing well. I mean, this team has it. And I think defensively, whoo, they, they do some amazing things. I like what I'm seeing from them. Now, offensively, I'm a little concerned because – the way they played against the Nets, well, that works against teams that can't rebound, right? Against teams that can't rebound, like the Nets. Well, they're likely going to play the Milwaukee Bucks in the next round. And with Giannis and Brooke Lopez, you're not going to be able to, and Bobby Portis and those big bodies, you're not going to be able to rebound like you did in this series. So you're going to have to execute, and you're going to have to execute against a better defense in the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's highly unlikely Giannis has a series like KD or Kyrie had. So, how you're going to defend him is going to be a whole different set of problems, but that'll be an interesting series. So I'm very, very curious to see how that matches up and how, and how that plays out, but that should be fun. That should be a fun series. Tatum and Giannis kind of going head to head. That'll be something. And what would be your prediction for that series? Oh God, it's so early to predict, but I would go because of hmm, the Middleton injury, you know, that, that for the Bucks is going to be problematic. And I just think that, you know, you can put Marcus Smart on Drew Holiday and that's like two of the great perimeter defenders on each other and neither of them are scoring. That's a, that doesn't matter for the Celtics as much as it matters for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, though you can't stop Giannis, how, what's your answer for Tatum and Brown? Drew Holiday can't guard everybody. Giannis can't guard everybody, right? So I think I might give the slight edge to Boston. I might say Boston in seven right now because they'd have home court. Uh, but I think this will be a long series. I do too. And we, again, not to sound like a pessimist, but we were talking about this, I think in the last episode, the Celtics are due for like a little, 
little sprinkle magic, little, little rust patch, maybe, or a little bad game. Oh, listen, listen, there, it, it, this was the perfect matchup for them in round one because, the, you know, again, and even with all that being said, how close were the margins, right? Again, total combined victory, total points 17. Like, so it wasn't like it wasn't blowouts, right? And that's a team that they're considerably better than, better than. Well, they're not that they're not considerably better than Milwaukee. So that mm-hmm. will be a very, very interesting series. Again, I can see this going long. You and me both. Also, I just found out the other day um, why Robert Williams' nickname is the Time Lord. And... <laughs> it's, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> Look it up if you it's, don't know. It's it, it, is, it is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, let's move on and talk about the number one team in the West, the Suns. But are they in trouble now? Because what looked like they were going to sweep the Pelicans before Devin Booker got injured – uh, now the series is tied two to two and game five is going to happen as we're recording this. So um, we got to talk about these Pelicans rookies that are running circles. It seems around the suns and irritating. May I say dare getting under the skin of Chris Paul, the point God, the number one irritant ever in the history of the NBA. He's being irritated. Yeah. Yes. Yes. These rookies are really giving him a run for his money and it's quite a sight to see because, I mean, really, are the Suns in trouble? No I, Devin Booker for at least a few weeks, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I think you're realizing the value of Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. While I still believe that Chris Paul is the Suns' most important player, Devin Booker is their best player. And they are missing his shot creation and shot making. Okay? And, yes, Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado, like, though. These young kids, they are not afraid of Chris Paul. They're not, they're not taking any of his antics. I mean, you saw Herb Jones knock onto the ground. Like they're not, they're not fooling Flavor around. Flavor ones man. were flying. I was like, what's going on out here? They are not fooling around. They're here to compete and win. Brandon Ingram is playing like a superstar. Like, look, Jackson Hayes, CJ McCollum has added a level of veteran presence to that locker room to calm them down and CJ McCollum. Talk about finding the right place after Mm -hmm. thinking you were in the right place, which, hey, those were his great years, too. But, like, damn. Gotta just, gotta say it. Jenna, if you're Zion Williamson, how do you not want to be a part of this right now? Where he at? Well, I mean, that's the injury thing. But the, the point being... If you're if you're Zion, you know, we heard all the rumors about, you know, him not wanting to stay in New Orleans and all after witnessing that, even if they lose the next two games, how do you not see what Willie Green is doing and what is happening there? And you're not like, oh, I want to be a part of this. Yeah, like at least curious. Like it's like, it's remarkable. Because imagine if this team, as you see now, had Zion on it. Jenna, this this team, dare I say, could be what the Grizzlies were this year. Right? Like, I don't see why not. That good, that good. And so, you know, the Suns, look, I think that, you know, the free throw disparity was an issue and Monty pointed that out and he got fined for it and and all that jazz. (laughs) I I do think that the Suns, look, they were the number one seed all year for a reason. I do think that they will execute and start playing their level of defense starting tonight. Um, I do think they win. I think they win by 10 tonight. Uh, I just... I think they come out and they do what they have to do. You don't build up that kind of equity all season long to all of a sudden rattle in the playoffs. Yeah, Chris Paul, those those kids are getting under your skin, but you're a vet, you know, stick to what you guys know, the fundamentals, how you're playing, right? Uh, Aiton steps up, um, you know, 
Cameron Johnson steps up, you know, you get, you get Mikel Bridges again, do different things to use the youth and inexperience of Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado against them, right? Shot fakes, ball fakes, gets them the foul, get them in the trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Get, get these young inexperienced rookies off of their games, right? Use your veteran savvy and know-how. And I think the Suns do that tonight, but I'll tell you, Jenna, they go down, they lose tonight. And it's 3-2 going back to New Orleans. Shit. Ain't nobody want none of that. Nobody wants any of that. No, no. This is going to be interesting, though. They're going to need to have, you know, Chris Paul, everybody on point moving forward because to make up for that absence in Devin Booker is huge. And, you know, I'm glad people are seeing what he contributes, though, Mm -hmm. because I feel like he's a notorious snub no matter what it is. I don't yeah, care if you're in a contest of eating gumballs. You're still snubbing them. <laughs> you're, 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 you're seeing value is his value right now. Exactly. So we'll keep an eye on that series going forward. Let's talk about another one that's tied two to two, and that's just so good. It's incredible. I never expected this. Mm-hmm. These uh, these incredible teams and these young guys going out at it, the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. I mean, game five again tonight while we're recording this, and we got to talk about Ja Morant because I mean, as much as he's been putting on a show um he's struggling in the half court a bit mm-hmm. so talk mm-hmm. to me about him he, he's not getting to the rim as easy and scoring as highly and efficiently as he was uh in the regular season but again jenna we say this all the time in the regular season you get to play houston sacramento orlando indiana detroit oklahoma city all these terrible teams well there's no terrible teams in the playoffs everyone you play is good Right. So even the New Orleans Pelicans, right? Like everyone you play is good. So the things that you like to do get cut off. And what you're seeing from the Grizzlies is their inability to execute in the half court because they don't have another bucket getter. Right. Someone who can create their own shot off the bounce. And that's in in the playoffs. We say that all the time. That is, if not, it's not the only skill that matters, but it might be the most important thing to have is you can never have too many individual shot creators. They only mm-hmm. have one in John Morant. And if he's getting loaded up on, who else is going to create for themselves off the bounce? Everyone else is required of getting the ball to finish, right? Jaw penetrating, kicking out, you know, running a running a, a double stagger screen. I think this is where Taylor Jenkins is going to have to get creative and start running some sets to get shots and shot attempts up for Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, the problem with Jaron is, is the foul trouble, right? Like he's got to stay on the floor. Mm-hmm. Jenna, there's a stat that I saw that like blew my I was just mind. I gonna say, I yeah, I just when, read it over. It blew my mind. When Triple J has been on the floor, the Timberwolves are shooting 38% overall and 35% from three. When he's off the floor, Minnesota's shooting 49% overall and 41% from three. Out of the 192 total minutes of this series, he's only played in 95. Jaron Jackson is an all NBA defensive level player. He should make one of the All-NBA defensive teams. He led the league in stops, blocks, and and steals this year. Led the league in blocks. Not having him on the floor hurts them from a rim protection standpoint, his switchability, and his athleticism. And they're going to have to do – he's going to have to go back to how it was early in the season where he wasn't fouling as much. He's he's playing like he did rookie his rookie season when he would routinely – seem like he started the game with two fouls. Yeah, and he has got to be better about that. Whatever happens this series and this postseason run, when it ends, that is going to be a big area of emphasis for him this summer. It's like, okay, we saw your defensive capabilities. That only matters if you're on the floor. If you're off the floor because you're in foul trouble, what good is that, right? 
And this is the area that he's going to have to get better. And he's, it's crazy because he's got, he's all arms and legs, right? He's got, he's a big dude, but it's how you're able to move and control those limbs. Because oftentimes what happens to him, because he has so many, so much arms and legs, anytime a referee sees it and it flails, they think they, they blow a whistle foul. And it's like, yeah. okay, part of that is body control. Okay. And he's got to get stronger and, and, and more, more aware of what his body's doing and be able to control it better and move more fluidly so that foul calls don't happen to him. But yeah, this Memphis is in a dogfight, Jenna. They are in a real dogfight. They really are. I mean, I really don't know who's going to take this series, but it's going to be close. It's going to be good. I think it's going to go seven. I, I think Memphis wins tonight and goes up 3-2. Uh, again, look, this is as good as the Timberwolves were. I'm going back to the point I made about the Phoenix Suns. The Timberwolves were the better team all season long for a reason right? Like they were, had a better net rating, right? They, they, they did all the things necessary to win. They've got to go back to how they played, start out. the They're starting poorly every first quarter. It's like every first quarter, they're down 10, 15 points. They've got to come out and start aggressive. And I expect them to do that tonight at home, start out and give a big punch early, right? And Minnesota, clearly they'll let you back in the game as, as we saw multiple times, blew, blew two 20 point leads, 25 point leads. They will let you back in the game because that's the kind of team they are. Memphis has got to be just smarter, better, more disciplined. And again, Taylor Jenkins, you've got to find ways to get Jaron some open shots, some open threes, right? Get him some single coverage so we can attack the basket, get fouled and go to the free throw line, right? Get those guys, that front line of Minnesota into some foul trouble. That's right. Yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr. definitely has to lock that down. But once he does, and if he does. Oh, that's 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 the that's the missing piece. That, Scary that's the hours, piece. as some people used to say. But then, <laughs> and again, who knows? That's a bad luck <laughs> omen. But let's move on. Stay in the West and talk about these dubs because it's interesting with them. And a lot of teams have had this journey. AKA, look at the Celtics with that season turnaround. But the same goes for the Warriors in more ways than one. Because I mean, as you so nicely put it in our rundown. Has the road to the NBA Finals opened up for the Golden State Warriors? If you asked me in the beginning of the season, I would have said no. You asked me towards the latter half, and right now, after seeing Jordan Poole gel so well in that death lineup, I'd say, heck yeah. They they can make a run. Jenna, Thoughts? So the Warriors are the current three seed. They are up three games to one of the Denver Nuggets. I expect them to close it out in game five uh, at home on Thursday. Or Wednesday, okay. excuse me. Um, their next matchup will be the winner of Memphis, Minnesota. Two young teams who, while athletic, while amazing, while all those things, Golden State knows how to execute down the stretch. When you have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, I mean, that is championship DNA. That is championship DNA, championship equity. Those guys, they're not going to be rattled by any situation. They're going to know, oh, we're down 10, no problem. They're going to know what they need to do. And then they get past that round. It's maybe the Phoenix Suns. I mean, it, with no Devin Booker, who knows? Let's assume Phoenix gets by New Orleans. They'll likely play Dallas in the next round. Listen, uh, Luka Doncic doing his thing and nobody to cover him over there. You can see Dallas winning that. And Golden State can beat Dallas. Clearly crazy things have happened. So right. I mean, so anyone's league at this point. So the, the West does look right for the picking for Golden State. And I want to say something. You mentioned Jordan Poole and shout out to Coach Thorpe uh, over at True Hoop. Coach Thorpe, Jenna, loves to use espouse the theory of royal jelly. And royal jelly is the secretion that honeybees let out to feed 
the baby bees. That food turns some of the baby bees into queen bees. And that is Coach Thorpe's belief in how teams should develop players. The, 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 the idea there being people like LeBron James and Kevin Durant are going to be good no matter where they go. It doesn't matter because they're elite. Just about everybody else needs a loving, nurturing, supportive environment for them to reach their full potential. Is that not what we're seeing with Jordan Poole right now in Golden State? Yeah. All the royal jelly on that dude, right? So 2019 happens. They lose in the finals. They draft Jordan Poole that summer. Next year, Steph breaks his hand or his wrist or whatever. He misses the majority of the season. Clay's already out. Jordan Poole gets all the time to play and learn, learn from Steph Curry, talk to him, et cetera. Last season, all right, Steph's back. Jordan Poole starting with him. A full season of playing with Steph Curry and Draymond, learning how to do everything, learning the system, right? Jordan, you're great, man. You're good, whatever. This season, starting again with Steph, when Clay comes back, they move him to the bench. But this postseason, after Steph gets hurt, Steph says, no, I'll come off the bench, start Jordan. How do you think that made Jordan feel when Stephen Curry, the best player on the team, told him, no, no, let him start. I'll come off the bench. That has to make him feel. If the two-time MVP and three-time champion is saying that, I mean, and remember, Jordan Poole looks up to someone like Steph Curry, right? He was probably at an end of high school watching Steph Curry win titles. So it's like, oh, this is, and now I'm part of this with these guys. Like, this is, this is that environment that creates that kind of culture where, hey, man, we're, we're, we're all here to do it. And you saw yeah. Clay in the, in the post game. It's a pool party. And I mean, like, but they're all celebrating in each other's success. Selfless guys. And, you know, uh, shout out to Coach Little. I, I always, I'm like, ah, nobody cares about that lovey-dovey team shit. But it matters. What you mean? <laughs> But it matters. You know I'm about that. That stuff matters, right? And it's so crucial to, again, Jordan Poole was drafted 28th, Jenna. 27 other teams could have picked him. He was there. But would all would all those other 27 teams have had the right ecosystem and given him all the royal jelly to be what he is now? Probably not. No. And it just shows you, too. I mean, we can have a whole separate pot on this, but it just shows you, too, how good of players – that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green really are. I mean, from the chemistry that they have as a trio to all of them separately, they're selfless guys. They want to see people succeed. You don't find that with every team. Everybody apparently wants to be the guy. For and do Steph it their Curry, own way. Exactly. For Steph Curry to, you know, take that bench roll while he was coming back from that uh, foot injury and give a spot and a spotlight to Jordan Poole. It says a lot about Steph Curry and a lot of people I think bypass that because it's a good narrative, but it's incredibly selfless and it just shows you the capacity of leadership that he has. It's incredible. It's huge. And Jenna, last thing on the Warriors, look at their offense. Their offense is egalitarian. It's democratic. Oh, oh. A, a player of Steph Curry's caliber, right? A two-time MVP, three-time champ would be well within his right to say, I want to run more pick and rolls like yeah. and more more isolation situations, but nope. He gets off ball, sprints all over the place, relocates. But that egalitarian offense, it's like someone, you know, basketball is more fun when all five guys are playing instead of four guys watching one guy go one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. right? Like, and when you see that, everyone has, they're connected. And in order to win a championship, you need that connectivity. And that's what the Warriors have right now. Now, 
I will say this. We've been loving them up and saying how great they are. They're going to win the title, blah, blah, all that. Denver is a very, very poor basketball team. The fact that they are even in this situation is a testament to how good Nikola Jokic is. Because yeah. the two, his two best teammates right now are Monty Morris and Aaron Gordon. Yeah, exactly. Let, 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 let that marinate, okay? Monty Morris and Aaron Gordon are his next two best teammates. When meanwhile, we're talking about Steph, Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole. I mean, the talent disparity is such a huge gap. This yeah. is how great of a player Jokic is that they're even in the conversation for a fifth game. Uh, but when there's a better team in front of them, we'll see what the Warriors look like. But right now, Jenna, they're looking great. Love it. Love to see it. Can't wait to see how they execute down the stretch. Let's move on and talk about Dallas because they're up three and two on the Jazz after a complete massacre the other night. 102 to 77. Couldn't even break 100 there. And my God, this was, it was bad. It was painful to watch. We have Donovan Mitchell going through injury. Seems to be a trend in the postseason. But I mean, hey, we could again write a book on that as well. But he is dealing with bruising on the hamstring, I think I read. And Utah is just Utahing all over the series. I'm sorry. You know I love DM, <laughs> but it's bad. Jenna, it's a wrap. Like, this is this is over. Like, the 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 Jazz had a chance when there was no Luka Doncic in those first two games to win both of those. They didn't. Um, and that's all the Dallas Mavericks need was that confidence. Like, their role players, Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Dorian Finney-Smith, Kleber, uh, Dwight Powell. It's like, oh, wait, we're doing this without our best guy? Oh, we are. We ain't worried about these dudes. We are good to go. And Utah, look, we said, we said it before. We'll say it again. Whenever this playoff run mercilessly comes to an end they're blowing this thing up whether it's donovan or rudy going or both i don't know but it's over quinn's probably out of there too head coach quinn snyder they're they're, they're gonna shake things up over there because clearly it's not working the way they have right now and you know look the jazz are just atrocious perimeter defenders like i mean dallas is just getting to the rim at will um they're shooting lights out from three it's it's just all bad right now and you know listen Utah are what they are. This is this is what they've been for the last few years, right? A really good, great regular season team, but unable to put it together in the postseason. And look, Donovan Mitchell, for as good as he is, going to start looking in the mirror a little bit. Yeah, you're a good offensive player, kind of a volume scorer, if we're being honest. But you're not good on defense, and you got to step up on that end of the floor. I mean, guys just literally waltz right by him into the into the lane. And you know, if you're going to be that dude that you think you are. You know, you got to be a lot better. So, uh, you know, it's 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 tough, tough times in Utah if you're a jazz fan. Yeah. Like I said, and, 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 and they're for jazzing, the Utahing all over. <laughs> for the Mavericks, Jenna, I mean, Luka Doncic, is, he can be the best player in any series going forward. And he's so it, good. And if he's that, they can beat anybody. Hey, they ain't complaining. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the 76ers because th this is just, I mean, I don't even know why we're shocked sometimes. Are they going to be the first team ever in NBA history to blow a 3-0 series lead? You never know because right now the Raptors are playing so well without Scotty Barnes, which they actually have pushed a game six in Toronto for Thursday. And the Sixers lead the series 3-2. and two. But, I mean, hey, this is – 
definitely not what I had expected. And let me also note that Joel Embiid is playing with that torn th- uh, ligament in his thumb, which he's pushing off surgery until the offseason. But I don't know. Well, first I'll say Scotty Barnes is playing, but not up to his full or, uh, yeah, because, yeah. because yeah. he's injured. With an injured um, Scotty Barnes. Right. Um, and Joel Embiid, um, well, that, that end of that postseason may come sooner than you think, my friend. <laughs> I'm going to say this. If they don't win game six in Toronto, I know it's going to be a wrap in game seven because the level of pressure and tightness they are going to feel in that game is going to be suffocating. Yeah. And look, James Harden, (laughs) he is a shell of the former MVP and all NBA player. He's just not that guy anymore. And with, with with Embiid injured already, and he's you know he's playing through it and fighting through it, they don't have a whole lot, Jenna. And guess what? This this postseason run, you can't blame Ben Simmons because he ain't there. Okay, you got what you wanted. You got right. Daryl Morey's like, oh, he's he been trying to trade Simmons since he got there. Okay, you got your man in James Harden. Well, I hope he's able to play at a high level for you and bail this out because, again, this isn't good and. The game in six in Toronto, that means no Matisse Thibel, which actually might be a good thing because Thibel was awful in game five. Like Awful. I think I he mean, had like air, two points. Airballing layups. I was like, what? what is happening right now? Like, what? I mean, yeah. it, borderline, borderline unplayable. He is a negative on offense. Um, And, you know, look, Cork Maz and Tobias Harris and George Niang. And listen, need a big game from Maxi. And that is a what did we say at the beginning of or when we did our playoff preview, Jenna? I said to you, that is a lot to ask of a second year player. You're putting yeah. a lot of pressure on him. 100%. For him to be like James Harden and Joel B and Bede should be the dudes carrying the way. 100%. Right? And James Harden took 11 shots in game five, 11 shots. And when Joel Embiid was asked about it in the post game, he said, quote, I've been saying, this all season since he got here, he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be himself. That's not really my job. That's probably on coach to talk to him and tell him to take more shots, especially if they're going to guard me in the way they've been guarding me. But that's not really my job. Two things with this. Number one, that partially is your job since you have come out as the leader of this team. The so are you? Yeah, yeah. What is James Harden? Was he not given the process handbook when he got here? And second of all, <laughs> What's that? Are you dissatisfied with Coach Doc's way he's, you know, welcoming Harden and implementing him into this team? What's what's look to take from this at this point? But he said that they were fine, like for game for the next game. I don't think so. Doc Rivers is not long for that job in Philadelphia. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Ah. Um, and if they flame out in this first round, Doc Rivers will have the unfortunate honor of being coach to blow multiple three one series leads three of them and the only coach to blow a three oh series lead and 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 it's right the way that they are defending right now with joel Embiid getting doubled and all that it is it. it is problematic and you know if they're triple and quadruple teaming joel Harden's going to have to step it up 
and take more than 11 shots. We need to put up 20 shots. You need to get to the free throw line. Do what you got to do. Find a way to generate offense. And right now, they're not. And whoo, again, that Scotiabank Center is going to be rocking in Toronto for game six. And I'm telling you right now, man, if the Sixers do not win that game and close this series out, game, oh man, the, the, <laughs> as, 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 as a few people have said, the sphincters will tighten in Philadelphia for game seven. I can't. They need to pray for a Drake curse at this point because uh-uh. I'm, I'm a little nervous here. Okay, let's cap it off here and talk about the number one seed in the regular season in the East, the Heat. They're up on the Hawks 3-1, and one, and they could close the series out on Tuesday as we're recording this. So we'll talk to you next week when somebody is bounced out. <laughs> but let's talk about it right now because, I mean, is this a wrap? So the Hawks will be without Bogdanovich tonight. That was just announced. Mm. No Jimmy Butler for the Heat. And I okay. believe no Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry. So, you know, maybe the Hawks can get a little spicy. I doubt it. Um, this game is in Miami. I expect uh, the Heat to do Heat things. I expect Eric Spolcher to do a number on Trey Young like they've been doing all series. And I expect the Heat to close this out because they want to rest, get their guys healthy. Hope, hope that series goes longer with uh, Philadelphia and Toronto go seven games. So they're prepped and they're ready so they can come out and unleash hell on whoever they end up playing in the second round. But yeah, this series is over and Atlanta's got some soul searching to do this, this off season. Um, you know, yeah. Trey young and you know, that, that, and, and company, you know, who, who do we want to be as an organization, as a team are a question they have to ask themselves this off season. Big facts there in Atlanta. We'll see how that plays out. But again, guys, the first round series are almost over. Games could be closing out tonight, this week. We'll see what goes on. And then we'll see you guys in the second round next week. Stick with us for all the playoff madness. As always, folks, you know where to find us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We are at 7 Footers Pod on Twitter, at 7 Footers Podcast on Instagram. At JS Hector, at Gentleman Selly, and until next time, everybody, peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we made come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap, what's a man gonna do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Right around 10 came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do When we pull up on the scene, pull up on the scene pull